Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change. And the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, and the mountains quake with their surging. God's blessings are like a river. They fill the city of God with joy. That city is the holy place where the Most High God lives. God dwells in that city. It cannot be destroyed. From the very break of day, God will protect it. Well, good morning. morning. It is great to see everybody. Welcome to Seacoast. Today, my name is Josh Surratt. I serve as a lead pastor here at the church, and uh, if I haven't met you, I hope you get the chance to do so soon. I want to welcome all of you who are watching at one of our campuses or potentially online. Uh, we are glad to have you guys, our extended family, with us as well. I was thinking about that on my way into work uh, this morning, if you can call this work, and on the, getting out of the, the house. I was thinking, you know, I could have very well have been placed in like southern Texas and been sweating by the time I got to my car, but... Man, are you, are you glad to, to live in Charleston, to, to worship in Charleston? It's beautiful, beautiful. And if you're watching from somewhere else, uh, we're glad that we can kind of give you a taste of that uh, this weekend. It's gonna be a good weekend. We're gonna have fun this weekend and looking forward to, to hearing God's word. I'm gonna introduce you to one of our, our, our friends, part of our extended family here who's gonna bring the word with us. Before we do, uh, last weekend, if you were here, you know it was a big weekend for us as a church. We, um, uh, as a church, been praying uh, on where to go next, and, and God has led us to establish a, a building, to build a, a bigger facility so that we can continue to reach the people. I don't know if you've noticed this, but there's, I think, according to my calculations, about 7,000 people per day that move into the Charleston area, um, and, and so tons of people that are coming in, and instead of complaining about the growth or about them, we've just decided we're gonna serve them, we're gonna love them, we wanna be a church so that they can call their home, and so we're building a, a 2,500-seat worship center, and last weekend was a big weekend for us. Uh, because before we break ground on the actual facility, the parking lot's now uh, pretty much finished. Before we break ground on the facility, we needed uh, to raise $700,000 to get us to our, our goal uh, to break ground. And, and that's no small task. Uh, that's a pretty big uh, hurdle that we had in front of us. And so Greg shared the vision and, and asked us to give. And, and we've got the, the, the results have come in. Do you guys want me to hit that before we go on? Or do you want to just move on? You can hit it? Okay, cool. All right, good. So Monday morning, we got our initial count from the offering last weekend, and $150,000 came in of that $700,000. Um, now that's, I mean, that's great, generous, but that's not, that's not the news that we were actually, no, that's not worth clapping for, it really, it, it isn't. Because that means that, that that's $550,000 that, that we were short. That was on Monday. Uh, and then God kind of did what God does, and we have had a landmark week. We've had the kind of week that we will look back and tell our kids about the week that we had this week. What started on Monday morning, uh, we got a text from a, a pastor that we helped plant years and years ago, and you're gonna hear some about that because Pastor Dino's connected to that story, who gave a very generous gift. Just God led them that morning in prayer to, to, to serve, and he'll tell you that story. But it just kind of opened up the floodgates, and, and all week long, I don't know what you guys were doing, or we didn't post a video, we didn't say, hey, we're not there, we need help. Y'all just kinda jumped in and started texting and giving, coming in online, and by Wednesday, Wednesday afternoon, a woman walked into our, our church offices. She's never been to the church, or if she has been, it's been very infrequently. She's like, I don't go to your church, 
but um, and she's not even a, a, I don't even know that she's a believer, she doesn't go anywhere, but her business did a, a meeting at our, our facility and we let them use the facility without, we, we typically don't charge other than maybe a cleaning fee if it's necessary, but we just, we want the building to be used. 700 times last year, the building was used for non-Seacoast events, and so just more, on average, twice a day, and so she just came in and said, man, I think that's great what y'all do, and here's $10,000 for your, your new building. And just that kind of thing happening all week, so, where are we right now? Uh, as of uh, the, the end of the week, uh, of the 700,000 that we need to break ground, 682,000 has come in this week. It's just been amazing. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. And so, um, yeah, my, my faith has just been built this week. It's just been reminded that this is God's deal. This is God's church, and he's gonna build his church, and he's gonna make this happen. And, and thank you for, for your generosity, and, and many of you have sacrificially given to be a part of it, and we're just grateful to be on this journey together and uh, moving into the next chapter of it. And when I think about generosity, I think about the, the family that I'm getting ready to introduce you to. Pastor Dino Rizzo and his wife, Delyn, are with us today. Uh, Delyn led worship with us, and she'll lead a song here at the end of the service, and just amazingly talented uh, and gifted spiritually. And, and then Pastor Dino, um, I, they just embody generosity. When I think about their life and, and their legacy and the, the church that they've helped to plant. They planted a church years and years ago down in South Louisiana, um, one of those places that they are sweating right now while they're going to church. But, but, but the, the church just became known as a church that serves the city. When Katrina hit down there, they were uh, ground zero. Their church became a headquarters that, that not only the church world served through, but the government, the city. People just looked to them to go, how do we help? How do we serve? And they had distribution centers all over the place, and he wrote a book called Servolution, you know, because it's just out of who he is and teaching and equipping the church to just be the hands and feet of Christ and to serve people, and just a few years ago, he became the executive director, moved to Birmingham, became the executive director of, of the ARC, which is the Association of Related Churches, which is the church planting uh, arm that, of, of our church and several churches that came together, and we plant churches together, and that's just been incredible. He may tell you some uh, about that, he serves on staff at Church of the Highlands, which is one of the great churches in America, is one of their teaching pastors and oversees their missions department, and just an incredible, incredible guy. But more important than that, big resume, uh, for me personally, just an incredible encourager. Uh, when we've get dealt with stuff in our city, whether that be a flood, whether that be the hurricane uh, that hit, even Mother Emmanuel, I remember that night uh, when, when that happened, uh, the first text, if I pull out my phone, I can show you, the first text that I get from anywhere around the country is from Pastor Dino. Hey brother, I'm praying for you, what can we do? How can we get involved, where you at? And, and I've, I've picked up the phone and said, hey, talk me through, help me out, help me think about this, because they just, they just do that so well, it's who they are. And so he's an encourager to us, friend of our, our church, he's spoken many times, and so he's gonna feel more like family than a guest. But he's from Myrtle Beach, um, and he would consider that part of the low country, but we know that, I mean, Charleston is where hospitality's at, right? So we're just gonna, we're just gonna make him feel like he's at home, we're gonna show him some love. Would y'all help me welcome Pastor Dino Rizzo as he comes? Thanks, Pastor Josh. Awesome, awesome. Come on, Dirty Myrtle, representing, representing. And uh, come on, Class 82, Rebichai, And so uh, it's great to be here. I love this church and love everything about this church. Just honored to be a part of, of the generosity of this house and planning churches. We get to plant churches together. Been doing that for 16 years. Uh, planted uh, in the last 16 years. You've been a part of this. When you give and 
your faithful and your tithe and offering and your leadership of your church takes a part of that and helps us to do this multiplied over and over again. And so we planted 674 churches. Um, and this, this fall will be our largest church planting season we've ever experienced. 81 churches will plant this fall. And it's because of a faithfulness of a church like yours, leadership of Pastor Greg and Josh and, and the team here. We just love you guys. I love being here this season. I think it's a great season to be at Seacoast with you growing, reaching people. You know, one of the reasons why, I think it's the main reason why we, we create more space as you're, you're, you're lengthening and, and broadening your reach, whether it's at a campus or it's right here uh, to create more seats. It's always about people. It's always about reaching more families. It's always about being there for those that are suffering and those that are, that are struggling. And so uh, it's an exciting time to give. It's an exciting time to be a part. And we are imagining uh, the day that we break ground and we, you see all the steel going up and, and all the different things happening on site. And, and then that, that we imagine the day that we'll move in and just the thousands of people are going to come through these doors and, and are looking for a, a new beginning, looking for a fresh start. And so we're just honored to be a part of that. Delenn and I, these are exciting times. Love your pastors. Love known Pastor Greg and Debbie forever. And then uh, to, to walk now with Pastor Josh and Lisa, the family here uh, Jason, all the team, just love him, and and I love Pastor Josh. He's the real deal. I tell you this, being around he, being around him and, and his wife and the team here, they they love you, they love God, uh, they they uh, a couple of in, of influence, a couple of integrity, uh, they they high impact in people's lives, and so you are blessed with good pastors. You're 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 in good care. Won't you clap your hands for your pastors and this family? Fantastic. Love these guys. So uh, it's an honor for Delinda and I to be here. We're living in Birmingham now, just enjoying ourselves, uh, being a part of Church of the Highlands, and of course, representing you, planting churches. And so, got a picture of our family. I like showing off our family. I married a Cajun girl. I'm Italian. And so, there's, there's a whole lot of energy going on in my house uh, with a little Italian, a little, little Cajun. So, that's our family. That's our daughter, McCall, in the blue dress. She's, she just graduated from LSU. And is living in Birmingham, working at the church here, Church of the Highlands, being a part of the conference team. And then that's Isabella. Uh, that's our baby. Uh, we we willing to name one where I, I can speak Italian. Bella, Bella, Bella. And so that's our baby girl. And then that's my son, uh, Dylan. He is in New York, living uh, in New York, and, and is uh, working at Hillsong New York Church there. Uh, he's dressed like a worship leader, but yet he's not a worship leader. But that's normally what worship leaders wear, kind of holes in their jeans. They just got out of bed. They need to be ironed. That's just kind of the new attire of our worship leader flow. And so that's our family. And then Delenn and I have been married 28 years. And so she'll lead a song here in a little while. And so that's our family. And we do feel like family here. I, I just, uh, I talk to Pastor Greg, my goodness, every other week. And uh, we do a lot of life together. And uh, I'm, I, I'm e I, I make myself at home about everywhere I go. I don't know if you, you know, I don't, I don't have a hard time making myself at home. I just, I have the blessing of interruption. I'll interrupt and just get all up in people's business and, you know, but I'm a, I, you want me to interrupt. It's a lot of fun. And, uh, and then, you know, I, I may show up at your house this afternoon and just sit on your couch, get up in your refrigerator, use your toilet. I ain't scared. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'll be family in a heartbeat. I make myself at home up in your life. And so uh, I'm going to make myself at home. And I want to talk to you for a few minutes out of a out of really a life principle that I'm learning more and more, uh, and I see this over and over again so much, uh, this principle of living, this principle of family, principle of life, and, and you're in the middle of this as a church, 
And I want to talk for a few minutes. And, and the principle comes out of, out of our really pinnacle scripture in the New Testament, John chapter 3, verse 16. And, and many of you know that verse. Maybe you don't. It's one of the first verses I, I learned when I came to Christ. And it, 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 the, the first part of it said, For God so loved the world that he gave. God loved, therefore he gave. Uh, and, and he gave his, his only begotten son. And because of that, when you, when you walk in belief in that, you have life. And what I want to talk about is, is, is just the, the true principle that life plus generosity equals freedom. Life plus generosity equals freedom. And I, I want to lean into that for a few minutes uh, today. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for Seacoast. Thank you for what you're doing at every campus, at the Dream Center, about this community. We thank you for our pastors, Lord. You, you've blessed Seacoast with great leadership, just true, pure leadership. And we thank you for Pastor Josh and Lisa and the team. And Lord, we just pray right now, God, that you'd speak to our hearts, Lord. We, 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 we've not arrived. We've still got a ways to go. We're still learning. We're still learning life. We're still learning family. We're still learning how to um, be like Jesus. And, and some of us are still discovering who Christ is. So, Lord, help us to understand the principle that, that when we give our life away, when we, when, we, when we embrace generosity, get outside of ourself, live, op live an open life, that, Lord, we find a freedom uh, that, that could be a legacy. So we love you, we love you. In Jesus' name, everybody said a good amen. I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, I'm glad you made it to church today. Come on, talk among yourself. Be kind, be kind. Come on, look at the other person that's your second choice. And tell them, I'm glad you made it to church, my friend. Everybody needs a little church, church. I turned 52 this year. I love being 52. I like being old. Uh, I can't wait to get older. I'm just looking forward to them at 80. Because the older you get, the more you can say things and not care. I, mean, I just say stuff and just go to bed. I don't even care. Just say stuff. And um, so I like being 52, but one of the things I've been doing is evaluating a little more. I've been trying to take a better inventory of my life uh, around the idea of I want to make better decisions because my decisions impact things. They impact my family. They impact, uh, hopefully, others, uh, impact my children. And so I've been writing in my journal about good decisions that I've made and bad decisions that I've made and how do I make better decisions. So the older I get, the better decisions I want to make. I want to make less bad decisions. And I, I, I was taking an inventory the other day, and I, I wrote down, just had this thought. I wrote down, what, am I, what, am I, what are the greatest decisions I've ever made in life? Because I, I want to make more of those. And, and I wrote down the top three. The first one is when I made a decision and invited Jesus Christ into my heart. I was not raised in church. So it was a decision I made as an 18-year-old as uh, kid who had just graduated from Myrtle Beach and we didn't go to church growing up. My, my dad was a self-proclaimed, non-practicing Catholic, whatever that is. And then my mother would say, well, I'm a backslidden Baptist. And so we would go to Catholic church at Christmas, Baptist church at Easter, and then, because that was a lot, we'd take off for like three years. And then we'd go back like three years later, because that was, that was a lot of spiritual stuff. And so when I got older, people would say, what, are, what religion are you? And I'd say, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm Kebabist. I do both. We kind of, Christmas and Easter. And uh, so I was not raised in church. So I was reached. I didn't know, I, did, I would have never come to church. I'm just telling you, I wasn't that guy. I wasn't coming to church. Um, 
and we were in, we worked in the tourism industry there in Myrtle Beach, so we worked on the weekends. But I was reached because a church like this had a creative idea and did an outreach. That's why I love that you're a church that, that serves. You're a church that, that, that goes outside the walls of a church, and you, you go into the community, and you reach people. And you wonder, is anybody ever being reached? Well, I was reached that way. I'm one of those that you would have reached. Uh, the second best decision I made was when I uh, asked Delinda to marry me. Who you marry makes a big difference. It, sometimes that's a, that's a great thing. Sometimes it's painful. You know, who you decide to marry, those, those are huge decisions. And, and uh, you know, I, I fell in love with my wife uh, when she was in like with me, which is, that's a real strategic thing you got to navigate. Uh, when you say, I love you, and, and she, they kind of smile back at you and say, well, I like you too, that's not a good day. Uh, when, when you say, hey, I love you, and they say, thank you. Thank you. Uh, that's, don't, don't put a ring on it yet. Don't put a ring. Uh, you better hold up. And so, you know, but finally after about six months, she saw the light and kind of got a glimpse of the total package and just kind of Ric Flair. I was just, what's up? Whoo, nature boy. Just, I'm right here, nature boy. And, um, and, I, I, and she said yes to the dress. It was amazing. Um, and so she, we got married. So that was huge, huge, huge decision. Third best decision I ever made in my life. And I, I mean, I looked across all of them. The one that has that has made the, the the most one of the most impact. I think that has that has really changed the trajectory of of my life and hopefully making a difference with my life, because I believe all of us we want to we want to know why we're here and we want to make a difference. We want to make a contribution with our life. We want to know that we found some type of purpose among all the crazy. And the, the third best decision I made in my life was when I decided at 19 years old after coming to Christ to invest and plant myself and be a contributor to the local church. Even though I was not raised in church, I made a decision at that age that I was going to be involved with the local church, that I knew that I would never make it in God. I, I just, to be honest with you, I just, I was not going to, I wasn't going to be a Christian long without being planted in God's house. It just wasn't going to work for me. And so I made a decision and, and I got involved with a little church there in Myrtle Beach and had a, my first pastor was a great man. He was, a, he was an older man. He was an angry preacher. Now, I don't know if you've ever been around an angry preacher. Just preach a little mad, just kind of let you kind of have it. Just, you know, like talk about hell like it, was a, like it was a fun thing to talk about. Like, you know, like, you know, just let, y'all all going to hell. Everybody going to hell. You know, just like, wow, I think he enjoyed that, you know, and just, you know, just would preach forever. Brother couldn't find a, he, he preached a whole series on Sunday. You, you weren't going to be the first one to Bojangles at all. You're going to be the last one. I mean, just <laughs> preach forever, ever, preach, preach. I mean, I mean pre say things like, if you don't like it, don't let the back door hit you in the backside. There's five people waiting on your seat. Y'all all go ahead and leave. And I'd be like, if we leave, you ain't nobody coming back up in here. I'm going to tell you that right now because ain't nobody here. And so we, uh, but I loved him, my pastor. He was a great man. He was a confronter. I don't know if you've ever been around somebody who can, will confront you. And he wouldn't like confront you in counseling. He'd confront you in the foyer of the church. Just, just talk about all your business out in front of people. And because this small church, he had a job. And so he, he had to do everything on Sunday. And so, you know, he, and so I started attending church and got involved and went to a small group. And, 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 you know, like you have here, you have small groups. And you have the inside track where you take next steps. And you, you're part of the church. I did all that. And, 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 it was, and, and so he, one day he stopped me and said, Dean, I know you're getting involved. And I know God wants to use you. He said, but you have a big problem. And, I mean, I'm in the foyer. People like listening. He said, you have a big problem. He said, here's your problem. You're not a giver. He said, you'll, you'll never be all that God wants you to be 
from a stingy position. You've got to discover generosity. And he taught me in the foyer of the church the principle of tithe and offerings in front of people. And I remember I was trying to play it off like, oh, no, good. I'm good, Pastor. I, I mean, I, I gave this morning. He said, you're not a giver. You're not a tither. I said, oh, yes, I am. He said, no, no. I checked the records. You're not tithing. <laughs> you're like John the Baptist. Like you viper. And uh, he taught me the principle of the tithe. He, it was real simple. I mean, I, I, I will remember, I, I remember it to this day. He said, God gives you 10 Skittles in life. So when you get paid, it's your 10 Skittles. He says, give me one back. Give me the first one back. Because I, and, it, and it represents that I am first in your life. So you give me a tenth. You give me a tithe. And I remember he said, he said, God could say, give me all the Skittles back, but he doesn't. And he taught me the principle of the tithe. And I remember I struggled with that because I did not understand that. And, and over months, I struggled with that, that idea of generosity of living a generous life, of living a generous life that is a consistent generous and is priority. We're, we're generosity now, and I think it's amazing how God gave us the principle of tithe and offerings because it helps us to be consistent, and it helps us to, to let there be priority giving in my life. And I, I remember uh, in that process, uh, he stopped me one Sunday morning. He said, tonight there's going to be a missionary from China, and I believe God's going to set you free. You're going to discover the power of generosity in your life. And I was 19, almost 20 years old. And I was going to go off to Bible college, and, and I felt like God was going to use me and maybe use me in a way. Uh, and, and he knew that. And he was, see, he knew some things I didn't know. He knew that if I didn't understand generosity, there'd be a struggle in my marriage. What type of parent would I be if I didn't understand the power of generosity? What type of friendships would I, would I have if I didn't understand the power of generosity in my life? He knew that from a stingy place, there could never be a place of freedom. And he taught me those things. I remember the, the missionary came that Sunday night. She was from China. She talked about Bibles in China, how there were whole villages that didn't have Bibles, and, and how for $10 you could buy a Bible, and, and she would bring it to villages. And, and, and she got done, and she said, for $10, we, we would love to get So the pastor said, hey, we're going we're gonna to take up an offering. We're going to buy Bibles for China, and if you'd like to give. And it wasn't weird, or it wasn't coercing, or, or some type of, you know, some type of, you know, a weird type of pressure. He just said, just listen to the Lord. Listen to the Lord. And as he began to pray, I'm telling you, I heard in my spiritual ear, give it all. I'd gotten paid that day and had $400 in my pocket, like cash money in my pocket. And, and I remember it was, I, I was like, no, 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 no. One Bible, one Bible, one Bible. No, 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 no. Back up, back up, back up. One Bible. And I kept hearing, have you ever been in a place where you, you felt like you should give? Maybe there was someone that needed a meal or, or someone that, that needed an outfit or someone that needed a pair of shoes or, or maybe you needed to help pay someone's a bill for them or, or maybe a family member or someone at work or you felt moved at a restaurant to pay for someone. You know that tension that you feel. You know that struggle on the inside where you begin to debate generosity or you begin to debate if it's a good idea. I was dealing with all that, but as that container came down the aisle, I remember reaching, I kept hearing, give it all, give it all. I thought the devil was in the church telling me that. I, I struggled, but, but I, I remember releasing, reaching in my pocket, taking all that money at 19, 20 years old, and I was wondering, what, how am I going to be taken care of? What about my stuff? And, but I, I remember releasing it into that container. It's like those dollar bills fell in that container. Like they climbed up on the side of the container. Hey, wait, we're going to China. I'll see you later. <laughs> I like broke my heart. I just wept. 
What was happening? What was happening was the power of release and the power of generosity. See, there's nothing wrong with stuff. Nothing wrong with having a lot of stuff. Nothing wrong with blessing people with stuff. The problem is when stuff has us. That's what my pastor was trying to teach me, is that life plus generosity, there's a freedom when you can live with an open hand. There's a freedom. I I remember the verse that he would teach us, and it's it's one of my favorite verses. verses. Now it's Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24 and 25. It says this, give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. Wow, that's a truth. So to the point, be stingy and lose everything? Verse 25 says the generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. You know, Jesus taught this. Jesus taught a whole parable about the opposite of life plus generosity equals freedom. He told a story on what would happen if you don't choose this way of life. It's in Matthew chapter 18. I'll read it to you. It's, it's several verses, but it's such an incredible window into God's heart. So Jesus is telling this story, and people are gathering around, and he, and he tells the parable in, in, in my Bible, in the header, it's, it's called the parable of the unmerciful servant. The unmerciful servant. It's a story. It says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like. This is what it's like. This is what God's life is like. A king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began to settle, a man who owed him 10,000 talents which in our day, that would be $10 million, $10 million, was brought before him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered um, that he, would, he and his wife and his children, all that he had be sold, would pay the debt. So this master is wanting to uh, clean out his books. So when he looks at his books, he realizes that there's one man that owes him $10 million. He brings him in and says, you owe me, can you pay me? You owe me $10 million. He says, I can't pay you. He says, okay, let's get his wife and kids and his, everything he owns. Let's sell them to pay off his debt. Now look what the man does. The servant fell on his knees. He says, oh no, please, sir, please be, be patient with me. He begged, I'll, I will pay you back everything. Watch this. The servant's master had a change of heart. He had pity on him. Look what the Bible says. Canceled the debt, and let him go. How many knows that's a good day? Didn't give him a payment plan. Didn't, didn't figure out a way that he could work it off. He just was moved. Something moved him. When he saw this man on his knee, please don't do that. Please, sir, no, please, please, my family, my kids. Something moved in his heart, and he said, wow. Hey, write off his debt. He's free. And, and, and you don't owe me anything. You're good. You're good to go. I, I don't know about you, but I, I, there, there'd be a party started up in my life. Could you imagine how you would leave there? Just, what? Ah, ah, I mean, just. And he, does, he doesn't, that man doesn't do that. This is an unbelievable story. And Jesus is telling it. He says, but when the man went out, he left there. And instead of having a party, instead of calling his family, instead of getting his kids around him, said, you wouldn't believe what was getting ready to happen in your life. 
No, 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 no. He found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii, which is $40. He got let go 10 mil. He done found somebody owes him a, a, tank of ga- a, 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 a tank of gas. He bought one meal for him. They, w- they went out to raising canes, and he bought the chicken. Come on, somebody. He, he spotted him that. And he owed him $40, and it says he grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay me back what you owe me, he demanded. Pay me back. Give me that $40. Give me the $40. I need two 20s. I need four 10s. I need eight fives. Give me back the $40. Choking him. It's amazing. The fellow servant fell to his knees, begged him. Look what he said. This is so interesting. Be patient with me. I will pay you back. Now, you would think that those words would trigger something in the guy like, oh, man, my bad. What am I thinking? Because he just said those words. He's looking in the mirror of his own situation. But does it do anything? He refused. Instead, he went out and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that happened. Then the master called the servant back in. He said, you wicked servant, I cannot believe what you did. Have you lost your mind? Hello, are you there? What are you thinking? How did you go do that? Look what the Bible says. He said, I canceled all your debt. Do you not remember? Ten million? Going to jail? Kids being sold off? Do you remember any of that? I canceled all of your debt because you begged me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant? This is a great word. Just as I had on you. Could you not have done just as I did to you? Could you not have just reflected? Could you not have just mirrored what I did to you? Look at the result. In anger, the master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured. He should pay back until what he owed. He would just be tortured till he could pay back. So now he was free of $10 million, but because he would not let go 40, he's back on for 10 mil. How many of us, that's a bad day? All he had to do was relay the same grace that he had been given. All he had to do was transfer the same mercy that he was given. Jesus teaches us the truth that life plus generosity is freedom, but he also teaches us that life plus greed equals bondage. When you and I decide to live a greedy life, uh, when we don't give out the mercy, when we don't give out the forgiveness, uh, when we, we don't, we don't uh, uh, realize what God has done in our life, how much God has blessed my life, how much God has taken care of my family, how when I was in college or when we first had babies or when, when I was a single mom or when I was struggling with that addiction or, or I was in that situation, how God was merciful and how God provided and how God took care of us and how we were in that hospital room or, or we, after I lost that job or after I went through that situation, I reflect back on my life and I see what God has done in my life. How crazy would it be if we forget that and we just don't reflect the same grace 
the same generosity that God Almighty has done in our life. It's the truth of life plus generosity equals freedom. I want to I want to finish up and I want to give you some practical ideas and just to kind of bring this home for us here at Seacoast and especially where you're going as a church because I, I just really believe that, that that God has positioned you as a church to continue to reach more people in this region and, and to reach more people it's going to continue to require you and I uh, creating more space for people, creating more opportunities for people to, to get hope and to get help, to get healing in their life. And so I just wrote down a, a couple ideas. I wrote down four decisions uh, that, that we, how we can live out generosity. These are decisions we can make to live out generosity. Here's the first one. Uh, live as a steward. Live as a steward. Uh, you, we, I think in life we, we choose two different ways to live. We could either live as an owner. Hey, it's all mine. It all belongs to me. It's me, myself, and I, me, myself, and I, me, myself, and I. Or we can live as a steward where we realize that everything I have came from God, uh, is God's, and I'm just stewarding it. I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm being responsible for what he gave me, but really I'm just managing it on his behalf. It's, it really belongs to him. And I'm just going to administrate it uh, on his behalf because it's not mine. It's his. I don't own anything. It's all, it all belongs to him. And I, I'm just going to do my best to be wise with it, be wise with my job, be wise with my talent, be wise with my income, to be wise with my blessing. And, and that's why I believe that tithing, and, and when, when you have an opportunity, I know at, 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 here at Seacoast you have three ways to give, and every single week these opportunities to, to, what, to consistently give, to make giving a priority of our life. What does it do? I think that helps us be a better steward. When we just commit that I'm going to give, I'm going to give consistently, and I'm going to give priority in my life. I'm going to give to God first, and I'm going to be a consistent giver. To live like a steward. Here's the second thing that I think is a decision that we make around the idea of generosity uh, is to live surrendered. I like that word surrendered. I think where you live surrender, we just say, okay, Lord, it's, it's, it's all about you. Uh, I'm going to yield myself. I'm going to give myself. Uh, I give my life away. Uh, I'm going to surrender some of my time. Maybe I'll lead a small group. Uh, I'm going to surrender some of my talent. Maybe when there's a serve day or there's a project at the Dream Center or there's a missions trip, uh, I'm going to take my talent and, and the way you wired me and, and, my, and, and my skill and my ability, and I'm going to put it in circulation where I, you could use it. Here's some of my treasure. Here's, here's some of my time, my touch. Lord, I want to surrender my life for your use. I want to surrender my life so that you can use it to be a blessing to other people, to help them come to know you. We live a surrendered life. Lord, I surrender. It's not all about me. And then the third uh, way that I think a decision is uh, to live like a sample, a sample. I love that word sample. Just when I say the word sample, it makes a brother smile. Because I like free samples. I'll take free samples. If I'm in the mall and they're giving out free samples, Chick-fil-A, I go by several times. I love free samples. I'm a sample kind of guy. Uh, the other day, there's a new store that's open in Birmingham called Costco. And it's like a bumped-up Sam's. It's like a high-level Sam's. And so uh, we went there for the first time. We went early in the morning. Delane had a list, and she's real focused, a list. Just got to conquer the list. And I'm uh, fogged out. 
and kind of, I touch a little ADD. I know that surprises many of you. And I'm just kind of, oh, a butterfly. What's all going on? So, so we go into Costco, and she's got, I'm, I'm wandering off. And I meet these people that are, that are, most of them are senior adults, and they're preparing some things. And, uh, and, and I, they, I said, good, she says, good morning, senior adult lady. I said, good morning. She says, how are you doing? I'm fantastic. And she says, I'm a sample engineer. What are you? I'm a sample engineer. You are from the Lord. You're, you're angelic. She says, uh, well, I'm a sample engineer, and I, um, uh, we, we, can, we, can I tell you about the wonderful thing we're preparing for the people of Birmingham? Yes, you can. She says, are you hungry? It's 9.45 in the morning. I'm starving. So anyway, she begins to describe to me what she's preparing. And she says, this is just a sample. It's just small. She says, this is a tortilla chip. It's a tortilla chip that we brought down from the mountains of Belize. And we brought them down on velvet-laid mules and, and bedazzled barges. And we barged them here to Birmingham. And we paired it with some guacamole from Nicaragua. I'm like, but at this time, I'm speaking Spanish. I'm like, hola, senorita, fuego, fuego. I mean, we're connecting at a deep level, bilingual. It just came on me. And so she says, and here, would you like this? And she says, and, and we're going to present it to you on a Vanity Fair napkin. Shut your mouth. I only get those at weddings, and they're 55 cents, and I reuse them at the house. Come on, somebody. And she gives me the sample of this, this chip and guacamole on a Vanity Fair napkin. And I t it's just a sample, just real small. And I take it, I'm like, oh, my gosh. Delan, come here. We're going to Honduras. I mean, it's amazing. She says, would you like more? Yes, I would. We go around the corner. There's an aisle of chips and dip, sauce. I'm just loading up the cart with chips and dip and salsa. I'm just like, yeah, can I tell you? It's amazing to me. It was one small sample, that, but the small sample was enough to make me want more. Oh, come on, somebody in the low country. Think about it. Can I tell you something? That's how God works. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Some people, all they need is a taste of God's mercy, a taste of God's goodness, and they will want more of him. And every time we give, every time we tithe, every time we serve, every time we attend a small group, we are being a sample of God's goodness and God's grace. Every time you invite someone to church, it's just a sample. It can't be a whole sermon. I can't bring a whole, I can't sing a whole song. But I can tell you what God's done in my life. I can be generous. I can be there for you. Just a sample. And then the last thing that I think generosity does for us, uh, I think when we're generous, we, we live to start something. Start something. You know, we started ARC 16 years ago. Had a conversation with Greg Surratt. So what would it look like if we came together and planted churches? They didn't have to do it the way we did it back in the day, just with no help and no resource. We had a conversation with Billy Hornsby, and we said, let's do this. And um, we, we found two church planters, one by the name of Chris Hodges, down in Rick Bezet. Chris was going to plant in Birmingham, Rick in, in Little Rock. And I remember Greg said, well, I'll put up, I'll put up the, first, the first gift. Seacoast gave 25000 to plant Church of the Highlands at, in New Life. $25,000, 16 years ago. You started it. You started off the giving to ARC. We were pastoring a church healing place, and we gave about half that 
and we started it. It's amazing. This past Easter, I, I served now at Church of the Highlands, the church you helped start 16 years ago. And you gave a 20, you were generous. You gave a $25,000 gift. This past Easter, we had 81,000 people in church, 16 campuses. 9,000 people received Christ on that day. Amen. You started it. You, you started it. Um, it's amazing. This past Monday, Pastor Chris called me and said, hey, you know, Seacoast is, they're, they're, they're believing God to raise $700,000 in the next couple of days. He said, we ought to give something to them. I said, man, that's a great idea. He said, you know, they gave us 25000 when we started. I said, I remember. He called me back later and said, you know what? I feel like we ought to give $100,000 to Seacoast. Look, it's amazing how you started that church with 25000 And we know it's not all about that. But it's interesting how 16 years later, a church that you started now is able to, to sow something back and to be a part of starting something else here. Why? Because that's how the kingdom works. You just never know. There's a chain reaction in the kingdom. Why? Life plus generosity equals freedom. Don't be the opposite. Why? Because you just never know how you can impact someone's eternity. You just never know. If we will be generous with our life, be kind to those around us, you just never know. I, want, I, want to feel, I didn't tell the story in the other service. But I want to tell that. I just felt led to tell this. Um, I got one more minute, Pastor John. Thank you. Well, if you're going to give me plenty of time, I got several stories. I'm joking. Let me just finish this, um, and we'll pray here in about two minutes. Uh, Dylan came home a while back. I was at a prayer meeting at our church, and um, I came home, and she said, um, hey, you, uh, you're going to take a shopping. I was like, praise the Lord. And so we go to this, this store, and it's called Forever 21. For a man, it should be called For Never. 21 or forever hell one of the two so we go out to prayer meeting we go there and it i don't know if you've been in the store it is it's about a thousand degrees for a big man uh it's it's hot it's the, the aisles are real small you can't hardly move you're just going between these aisles it, it's hot 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 and and it's like animal print and and boas and 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 like fur and and it's and music 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 overload and so I'm hot I'm, I, I lose my wife and my girls it's like 45 minutes it's hot I'm sweating like crazy and it's animal animal prints everywhere and uh I'm being chased by a cheetah I mean and so I, I, I get I'm, I'm like so hot and so finally Dylan shows up and just hands me this ton of clothes says here check out like a sweetheart we're going to the next store and I was like no I can't do it no 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 and so I go up to check out and it's these lines it's like these, these gates, you're just walking through these gates. It's all these women and girls. And, people, and they have shopping while you go through the little gates where there's like Justin Bieber eye patches and, and neon nail polish. And, and I'm going through these gates and it's hot and I'm just dying in there. And finally I get to the gate where I can go to the next counter. I'm just blocking people. And there's one other guy behind me. He's jamming with his hangers. He's trying to cut in line and I'm blocking him. I'm like, get back. In Jesus' name. And so finally a counter opens, and I go to the counter. I say, okay, I put it up there. It's like a ton of clothes. I bet, I mean, I'm buying the whole store for $1,000. Everything in there is like six cents. And so I buy the whole store for $1,000. So I get done, and, and, he, and I put it up on the counter, and I'm breathing. I'm hot, sweat. And, and this precious little girl, 22, 23 years old, she looks at me. She says, well, how are you? 
I said, I'm okay. I went to prayer meeting before I came. And for once, I stop. Because I wish I was more generous with my time. I, I, I wish I was more generous with my attention. So often I'm thinking about me, myself, and I. And I said, how are you? And she looked at me, and the Bible says that the, the eyes are the window to the soul. And then also says that out of the abundance of the heart of mouth speaks. And she looked at me, a person she doesn't even know. She looked at me and she said, I've had the worst week of my life. You don't even want to hear how dark my life is. Wow. What would make this 23-year-old girl tell a stranger how deep and dark her life is? Interesting. This guy's jamming with hangers. He's cutting line. He's trying to put his stuff up. I'm checking out. And I get fine. I said, I said listen, I, I'm going to go down here at the end of the counter. And I'm going to spend a minute or two. And I'm going to pray for you. What's your first name? She tells me her first name. I'm going to pray for you because God loves you. God cares. I can't preach a whole sermon. I can't get her to church. I can't go online and let her watch a YouTube from a preacher. I just, I just, have, a, I just have a moment. And I just said, God loves you. God cares about you. And I went down, and, and as I'm, 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 this guy's impatient. He's putting his stuff up there. And I said, so I'm going to pray for you. And I overhear him say, he's praying for her. That's what the holdup is. He's praying for her. And music, I'm hot, I'm sweating. I try, I said, my man, you need to back up off me. I'm a big guy. You don't know me. You don't know my people. You don't know where they come. I'm from Dirty Myrtle. I will shut this whole store down. I will go Medea all over you. Shut Forever 21 down. Back up off me. His little, you know, little redneck from Alabama, he's like, amen, praise the Lord. He's praying, glory to God, hallelujah, amen, amen, amen. And I go down to the end of that counter, and I pray my prayer for that daughter, that precious young lady whom Jesus loves, Jesus cares about, that just needed a sample just a moment of love and compassion and understanding. Because life plus generosity, it just doesn't equal freedom to us. It equals freedom to broken humanity in whom we are surrounded by. Let's be that church. Let's be those people. Amen. Spire heads, let's pray together. Thank you, Pastor Josh, for letting me take a few extra minutes. Father, we come before you right now, and Lord, I pray that we will be those people. Seacoast will be that church. So, Lord, I pray that you would help us to lean into others. Because, Lord, we're, we're not trying to be generous for ourselves. But, Lord, I pray that you would help us because you just never know. Sometimes we're unaware of those that we rub shoulders with, that they are one sample away from a new beginning and a fresh start. Help us, God. In Jesus' name, amen.